It is 11.30 here at KRVN. It is time for Midday. It's July 19th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for uh, making us a part of your day. Got a great show lined up for you to start this brand new week. Jason Jorgensen is in with us for sports updates. Get that here in just a moment. Bob Rogan will step in as well. He'll tell us how stocks are performing here to start this brand new week as well. And then, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, Paul Perkins will fill us in of what we can expect for our upcoming week of weather. And unfortunately, doesn't sound like a lot of rain. But more on that coming up in our regional ag weather at 1145. But let's get uh, things started with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great. I'm getting on an airplane for the first time since March of 2019. Oh, wow. All right. Well, they they haven't changed much. You just have to wear your mask the entire time. (laughs) Exactly. I'm actually going to head to the state of Wisconsin. They've got their farm technology day Mm. uh, farm show going on. And we have, listeners might not know, we have an affiliate in Wisconsin who picks up the Fontenelle Final Bell. So Mm -hmm. we're going to to hang out there and and do some stuff from the show. Good to have the farm team and uh, really everybody else here at the station be able to get out and about and do uh, those those shows once again. Oh, very much so. Well, what do you have coming up for us on this midday? All right, well, we'll kick everything off here. Coming up at 1219, we'll be hearing uh, from Alex on, on a report here. She's going to be talking with the Nebraska Beef Council on projects that will be funded for the upcoming year. I'll be in at 1245 as I'll speak with the United Soybean Board Director, Steve Reinhardt. They just wrapped up their July board meeting this last week. And then Alex will come in at 117 to talk with Mike Bame on how university uses Barta Brothers Ranch near Rose, Nebraska. So that's going to be a midday from the farm team. All right. A lot of good stuff coming up. Travel safe, and we appreciate it today. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. All right. That's Susan Littlefield. Let's turn things over now to Jason Jorgensen in sports. And Adrian Martinez has been named to a watch list. Yeah, he has. It is that time of the year. He's named to the Maxwell Watch Award list. He's been named to that uh, list before. Which That's the award that's given out to the best a quarterback in college football at the end of the season. Uh, he isn't, however, one of the three guys Nebraska has chosen to send to Big Ten Media Days later on this week in Indianapolis. I know there have been some folks kind of curious on that. He's been there before. I get it. Although I also get, hey, this guy's going to be four-year starter right. quarterback, and most teams would send their experienced quarterback to Big Ten Media Days. Especially his senior year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the guy you want there, especially if he's a leader. You kind of want there, I would think, but uh, interesting. So we will not get to see Adrian on Thursday when the Husker contingent is there in Indianapolis. Also, we talked some Husker basketball recruiting news. Head coach Fred Hoiberg continues to sign one talented, hopeful player after another. They got another verbal commitment for the 2022 class, a six foot six, 190 pound three star point guard. Point guard, six foot six. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, that <laughs> it, it it's all, a different position now. It all looks good on paper now. <laughs> It's true. We've seen the yes. signees before. We'll see how this pans out. All right. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Rogan. How are stocks performing? They are not doing well. Stocks around the world are falling, and the worries are that uh, COVID-19 is resurging and uh, what that's going to mean for economies around the world. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is blaming China for a hack of Microsoft Exchange email server software compromised thousands of computers. Details on those stories coming up. It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is now joining us. And Paul, right now, 
here at the studios. You now we're just looking outside. It's a little, it's a little cloudy. <laughs> yeah, right in our particular location, kind of a swath of some clouds from about Broken Bow down through Lexington to Norton down to around Hayes, Kansas. But otherwise, a lot of people enjoying quite a bit more sunshine right in those clouds. Those temperatures more so in the low 70s from about the Lexington and Kearney area down through Holdridge on into portions of north central Kansas. Most of us right now with temperatures in the mid 70s to right around 80. Yeah, and it's going to warm up a little bit today, but it sounds like temperatures as the week goes along. I'll get to that in a moment, but it's going to get warmer. Yeah, that big ridge of high pressure we've all been hearing about have uh, been bringing a lot of heat and, of course, dryness to the western U.S., expanding more towards the east. So we're looking at uh, temperatures well above normal by the end of the week and also below normal rainfall for quite a while. So hopefully you got some rain over the weekend or in the last week because the rain chances looking pretty slim over the next several days. And it sounds like this past weekend some areas did see some decent rainfall. Yeah, some locations upwards of around two to three inches in parts of central Nebraska. But just to the east, some areas kind of missing out, but kind of central and southwest Nebraska and nearby parts of Kansas getting some decent rains, uh, some much-needed rain for sure because some of those areas have been missing out. But for today, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a nice summer-like day. You betcha. Yeah, seasonal to slightly below normal on our temperatures. Once again, most of us in the mid-70s to around 80. We are seeing some low 80s as you head towards the southern Nebraska panhandle. We will see that weather for this week be mostly dry, gradually increasing on our temperatures thanks to that ridge of high pressure over the western U.S. building east onto the plains. Our temperatures today and tomorrow seasonal to slightly cooler than usual, but slightly above normal temperatures on into the 90s, taking hold for Wednesday into the weekend. Some locations could even reach into the low 100s by Friday and Saturday. What it feels like are those heels like heat index readings will make it feel like it's close to 105 with both the humidity and heat combined on Friday and Saturday. Our next chances for some thunderstorms returning by Saturday afternoon into Sunday with a weak front pushing in from the north. That front expected to lower temperatures just slightly 5 to 10 degrees for Sunday and next Monday as some slight thunderstorm chances linger. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, along with much of the western, central, and southeast U.S. this weekend through the first day of August. Below normal rainfall is predicted this weekend through August 1st for both Nebraska and Kansas and also the central U.S. Key weather factors driving the markets include building heat across the western Corn Belt and a mostly dry week in southern Brazil along with chances for frost. Hot weather will continue to grip the northern plains and much of the western U.S. with a gradual expansion of above normal temperatures as the week progresses. Late in the week, temperatures could reach 100 as far east as the central plains and western Corn Belt. Little or no rain will fall the next five days in several regions, and that includes the northern and central plains and an area stretching from the southern Corn Belt all the way to the mid-Atlantic. Generally, light rain will affect the southern plains as well as the Great Lakes and the northeastern U.S. Heavier rain will be confined to the deep south. The northwestern Midwest will be drier with above normal temperatures continuing to stress developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. The southeast Midwest continues to fare much better, and this week's drier weather will favor the development of 
and allow more saturated soils to drain out. For the Southern Plains, some pockets of moderate to heavy rain this past weekend fell mostly across central Nebraska and northeast Oklahoma, while some areas missed out on the showers altogether. Southern Plains conditions this week will be favorable for the remaining wheat harvest and developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. Down in southern Brazil, temperatures fell harshly. Some limited frost was possible across Piranha and Rio Grande do Sul yesterday and today, but more possible again tomorrow morning. Conditions that will be a harm for the remaining corn in the filling stage. Southern Brazil's dry weather this week also not favorable for their crops. So it sounds like this week until about Friday or Saturday, it's going to be you know, about about on par for the temperatures, but boy, Friday and Saturday might be hot and muggy. Yeah, it looks like uh, Friday and Saturday looks to be the peak of the heat before we kind of see a break, but unfortunately, those above normal temperatures and below normal rainfall expect to kind of close out the month here. Mm, okay. All right. Well, we at least got some decent rain uh, this past weekend. Some of us, I should say, <laughs> uh, but otherwise, uh, warm week ahead of us. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thanks, Paul. Public Power District. Well, today we're joined on the phone by Anne-Marie Bosshammer. She is the executive director of the Nebraska Beef Council. Anne-Marie, last, the last couple of weeks we were talking about authorization requests as you guys were about to start your board meeting. Give us an update of where you're at since then. Sure, Alex. Well, our board met this week, and um, the sole focus of this meeting was for them to take a look at the projects and authorization requests that were presented to them by not only staff, but also outside contractors that would utilize checkoff funding for programs that would happen in the 2021-2022 fiscal year. And so, uh, it was a it was a very you know a good but a very long day. They listened to to proposals from 9 a.m. until about 5:15 in the in the afternoon, uh, and and there was a lot of different programs for them to consider in the areas of promotion, research, and education. And and you know I think it's important for producers to know that when they do this, they they do it with a strategic plan in mind. And, and our mission statement is to strengthen beef demand in the global marketplace. And then, you know, the board has always had some overarching principles of putting the money where the people are and, and maximizing those checkoff dollars to support, you know, different and new ideas. And so as we look at programs that um, are funded, you know, we're excited that we have the Nebraska cattle women doing the great work that they have um, with the Beef in the Schools program. Uh, we're also excited to work with the Ag Sac Lunch program and, and making ag literacy uh, programs for young kids in schools that are either visiting the Capitol or doing virtual presentations. We, we have those available. We've been a, a longstanding partner with the Ag in the Classroom program and they just do a phenomenal job to help educate uh, young students all across the state. And then, you know, we work with with things like the Beef Quality Assurance Program and um, other promotions with uh, the Department of Ag to do foreign marketing in, in other parts of the world, as well as, you know, things like research that are so important to the foundational messaging for any programs that we do. You know, they had um, a little over $1.2 million being asked of them, and really when it came down to it, about $700,000 to give. So there's projects that, you know, don't get funded or don't get funded to the level that they were asked, but 
that's all the part of the fiduciary responsibilities that these board members take on when they serve on our board. So you mentioned, Anne-Marie, a couple of some of these types of projects that get funded by the Nebraska Beef Council and really by beef producers. Um, give us an idea of some other maybe new ones that we might see in the next year. Well, um, we are also working with uh, the Lincoln Children's Museum. We've we've done that on and off the last couple of years, and so they are doing some additional work in an ag education display. Uh, so we are excited to be working with them. And then we also are going to be working um, with the new Husker Athletic Partners and um, being back on some of the Husker Athletics that we uh, used to do many years ago, and, and we kind of stepped away from that for a while, but are now back with that. Uh, because we know that that's a, what a lot of Nebraskans are very interested in, and it's a great way to get our consumer message out there to those folks who are following Husker Athletics. All right, great information. As always, Anne-Marie, thanks so much. Again, joining us, that's been Anne-Marie Bosshammer. She's the Executive Director of the Nebraska Beef Council. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Drop down menu. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us. And as we alluded to last hour, there's a a watch list and now has a Husker on it. Yeah, no surprise. Husker quarterback Adrian Martinez earned preseason recognition today. It's that time of the year. He was named to the Maxwell Award watch list. Maxwell Award has been presented to the College Player of the Year since 1937. Martinez is making his third straight appearance on the list. He comes out for short in 2020, which he completed 72% of his passes for more than 1,000 yards and four TDs. He also rushed for a team-high 500 yards and seven scores, although that's 71% that's kind of a misnomer. Huskers really struggled to put the ball down the field last year, and that has to be improved this fall. Well, and he also didn't start every game. No. He lost that a little bit. I think since he's been, uh, you know, named to these award watch lists, uh, you know, it, things haven't gone as well as they did uh, the first year. No, when he came out of nowhere and was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Big Ten football media days are set for this Thursday and Friday in Indianapolis. Nebraska will send tight end Austin Allen, defensive end Ben Stilley, and defensive back Deontay Williams. We will have coverage for you from Indianapolis from the Rural Radio Network. Yeah, you will be there uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, it seems like it's always kind of a, a nice event that you're able to kind of get in there and Talk to some of those people. A little bit, although there's about 400 other people there trying to do the same job <laughs> as you. So one thing I've been very blessed with in going to these for over 20 years now, I'm glad I'm six foot three with a long arm. Yeah. Because it has helped to reach over people, I don't know how many times, to get that microphone where you need it to pick up good audio. Well, we always have reports from there, obviously, yeah. as the, 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 the summer goes along and the, the fall goes along. But the picture that I see, you always see the manage uh, getting the good audio or you're up front. You know what's odd, too? When I started going to those things, I was one of the youngest guys there. Mm. Now I look around mm. and it's like, I'm one of the oldest yeah. people. Yeah. You were there in the Big 12, <laughs> now you're Big 10. Yeah, yeah. Sneaks up on you. 
Nebraska men's basketball coach Fred Hoiberg remains busy on the recruiting trail. Yesterday, Nebraska picked up another verbal commitment for its class of 2022. Chatworth, California, Sierra Canyon. Three-star combo guard Ramel Lloyd Jr. Ranked as 100. He's in the 100 and top 150 in the country. He says he will be a Husker. He's a six-foot-six point guard. And Tyler, he had a nice list of offers here. Oregon, Arkansas, Georgetown, and Oklahoma. He all turned them down to become a Husker. Listen, this is great. We talked about it last hour. It's fantastic. We're getting these highly rated recruits. But now it has to show on on the court. It's yep. been uh, you know it's been a little too long now. They need the guys to play together, right. take good shots, hit some free throws, and play some defense. And four Huskers will represent the United States in Tokyo. Jordan Larson, Kelsey Robinson, and Justin Wangarantis are all members of the USA Women's Volleyball Team. While former Husker runner Amber Parkinson Neben is a member of the road cycling team. And four-time All-American Sarah Pavin, she will compete in beach volleyball for her home country of Canada. So look for them, and hopefully they can pull off the Olympic Games. That looks a little dubious right now. That's right. <laughs> and they're sleeping on cardboard yeah. beds as well. What an experience. Shaky so. things going on. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. It is time for Midday News, and News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And Dave, how was your weekend? Well, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I had a lot of fun and uh, did some things on my own. And so uh, went to Casey Donahue as well, as a matter of fact. Good. Very good show. I'm glad for the Furnace County uh, Fair people. Uh, uh, it's a great fair down there without it. But uh, mm-hmm. the Casey Donahue show just had to be a, a real, they had to be real happy with how it turned out. For the pictures and videos I've seen, it looked like it was a great crowd, too. Yes, it was. It right. was. Yep, you bet. I imagine there was a few suds uh, consumed there, too. <laughs> I think more than maybe a few, few maybe for everybody, but uh, yeah, very good. Well, Franklin had an interesting thing Sunday morning. Uh, several fire departments in the Franklin County area responded to a house fire in the city of Franklin Sunday morning. Franklin Fire Chief Dan Dorn says they were paged around 7 a.m. to a garage that was fully engulfed in flames. When we arrived on scene, it was a attached garage that had spread into the house. The home was occupied at the time. The property owner made it out safely and did not have any injuries. And how about the firefighters? Everybody made it out okay, just a little tired from the humidity and heat. The home was a total loss, and state fire marshal's office is helping to determine the cause. High V says it's hosting a Best of Local Brands Summit in September to expand their product offerings in its retail stores. At its May Summit, 28 new brands were selected to become available to High V customers in the coming months. This summit will consist of 15 to 30-minute virtual presentations from suppliers. High V is accepting applications in the areas of grocery, produce, deli, general merchandise, frozen, dairy, health, and beauty care. Officials in Lincoln are defending their actions to remove a homeless encampment that had been set up in a wooded area. City officials say concerns from residents nearby prompted an investigation by Lincoln Fire and Rescue and the Lincoln-Lancaster County Health Department. John Carlson, the mayor's deputy chief of staff, said that conditions were found to be dangerous for those who were living there, but some homeless advocates say it was unjust to demolish a community made for themselves. About 20 people 
attended a protest and sought to raise donations to help those affected by the demolition. Authorities in south-central Kansas say a 15-year-old girl drowned in a private swimming pool over the weekend. The drowning happened Friday night at a home in Harvey County. First responders were called around 9.30 p.m. The girl was swimming alone in the pool when she drowned. Others in the home found the girl in the pool, called 911. Medics who arrived on the scene performed CPR and rushed her to an area hospital where she was pronounced dead. The girl's name has not been released as of the this morning. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Horn.org. There we go. I start on a, you know, you guys had your, your July meeting. Um, let's kind of look at some of the highlights that you saw um, within the meeting. And I know that the soy checkoff investments were, were one of the big things that were talked about. So maybe we'll start there. Okay. Sure. So we, uh, held our July uh, board meeting uh, earlier this week, the 14th and 15th, and the uh, Soy Checkoff Farmer Leaders selected investments for the 22 fiscal year, and uh, we did that across the uh, supply marketplace and demand action teams. And out of the several hundred projects that are proposed, we funded about 181 uh, new uh, projects for a total uh, budget investment of uh, $78 million for the uh, soybean farmers that uh, pay into the checkoff. And uh, that's just one way that farmers invest their own uh, dollars into their own future. And USBA was cre- created by farmers and run by farmers uh, to basically serve the farmers that pay into the, the program. Steve, you talk about some of these new projects. Uh, off the top of your head, what are some of them that we might see bringing that return on investment for the crop these these producers grow? Sure. So we uh, some of these projects uh, will range from sustainability and uh, creating the sustainability of U.S. soy through the U.S. soy brand, and that uh, is making the United Soybean uh, product a uh, more uh, sustainable product, which around the world, that's what a lot of uh, – foreign buyers are looking for is a product that is produced sustainably and uh, that sets us apart from uh, especially some of our major competitors to the south Um, and then uh, we're using reputation management strategies to enhance end user perceptions of soy products in addition to uh, research and strengths of the resilience of soybean production uh, which we want to uh, of course, more bushels equate to, to more dollars, hopefully, for our farmer members. Uh, but then we're also looking at producing uh, improved protein content for meal and uh, develop new industrial uses for our soybean oil, among a bunch of other uh, topics that we're working on. You know, I think from a consumer perspective, Steve, folks would be surprised to, to know how many products soybeans show up in besides the typical ones that they think about. Uh, sure. So, you know, we have, uh, we're working with some uh, uh, basically athletic uh, nutrition type uh, individuals to promote soy as a uh, good way for uh, athletes to rejuvenate their bodies after their workouts and and uh, how it uh, uh, works well for them. 
Uh, and then we're going to go all the way down to uh, Goodyear, who is using soybean oil in their tires uh, to help, uh, you know, become more sustainable in their production and uh, use a renewable product as, as they move forward, um, as well as, you know, multiple other uh, projects. I mean, we know for a long time a soybean meal has been a great uh, asset for the livestock industry, and we want to continue to enhance that protein content and and make it uh, even a more viable product for them in the future. Since I have you on the phone, Steve, I, I wanted to ask how your crops are doing. You are in the state of Ohio and kind of gives us folks on the on the western Corn Belt an idea of how things are headed and looking in the east. And unfortunately, it sounds like you guys have got a little excess of rain at this point. Sure. So uh, the early wheat uh, came off uh, in good shape, uh, but about uh, probably half to 25% of the crop did receive some rains that uh, damaged some of the quality to the product. Uh, some soybeans are looking uh, really pretty decent, and others are, are really showing signs of stress really from too much water. And uh, the corn crop overall is looking uh, uh, pretty pretty beneficial right now and uh, is able to take a, an opportunity to to hopefully pack on a little more test weight, and and we're just starting to go through the pollination and tassel phase. How has this moisture going to have an effect on the crop at this point? I know you mentioned to me this morning you have sub pumps running, so that just shows how much rain you guys have received. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think the soybean crop is definitely going to be hurt uh, by the excess rain. Um, I don't know to what extent yet, but there are some areas in the fields which were uh, totally flooded out, which will be an actual zero. And uh, when the combine goes through there, and then we have other areas that are, you know, 50% of the height of, you know, the rest of the field where, you know, the water maybe comes down through or it's a little bit lower spot and the water doesn't get away quite as fast. So definitely we'll have some uh, yield issues uh, in those spots as well. Um, so I, we, we definitely will not have a, a record, uh, soybean crop in Ohio, but, uh, it's yet to be determined, you know, where everything, you know, may fall out. So, well, I'm sure as we, as we wrap this up, I'm sure it was great to have a meeting in person, even though you did have a virtual aspect to it as well, but I'm sure nice to get there and be able to talk with other soybean farmers right there in the hallways. Oh, it was uh fantastic and, and got to talk with, the. Uh, the guys from uh, Kansas and Iowa and, and Nebraska and and just uh, to hear, you know, how things are going on the west uh, end and, and some are finally starting to get some rains and some are still dry and pivots have been running uh, from what we've heard a lot earlier than they normally would run, uh, you know, this time of year. And and uh, so the hallway talk was just, uh, you know, really, really good to, to hear what's going on across the, the heartland. Well, perfect. Thank you again for your time. The FNBO's Fridays in the Field is underway. Be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of Nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop. Hey, it's Clay Patton, and this year for Fridays in the Field, we take a detour from row crops to talk with Max Creek Winery and Brewery about the grape and hops crop. 
Be glad to have you tag along for this year's Fridays in the Field. Join me this growing season in East Central Nebraska as I'll be following Ryan and Katie Pekarik of Rural Butler County. Ryan and Katie, along with their five children, are busy all year round growing over 30 fruits and vegetables as part of their business, Pekarik's Produce. In the Panhandle, we'll be visiting with Jason Harriman of Scott's Bluff. He'll fill us in on his family's operation with corn and soybeans. They will find time to talk about the forages they raise for their cow-calf pairs in western Nebraska. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field. With a business report for Monday on Bob Brogan, stocks around the world are falling amid worries about a resurgence in global infections of COVID-19. The benchmark S&P 500 was 2% lower in afternoon trading, and Treasury yields sank sharply as investors scrambled to move into areas of the market seen as safer. Airlines, hotels, and other companies seen as most at threat by COVID-19 restrictions had the sharpest drops. European markets were also taking bigger losses of more than 2%. The price of benchmark U.S. crude fell more than 6% after major oil-producing nations agreed to eventually allow for more oil production this year. The Biden administration is blaming China for a hack of Microsoft Exchange email server software that compromised tens of thousands of computers around the world earlier this year. The administration and allied nations also have disclosed a broad range of other cyber threats from Beijing, including ransomware attacks from government-affiliated hackers that have targeted companies with demands for millions of dollars. Online brokerage Robinhood is looking for a market valuation of up to $35 billion. The company says in a regulatory filing today that it would like to sell about 55 million shares in an initial public offering in a range of $38 to $42 per share. Video conferencing service Zoom is buying the cloud call center company 5.9 in an all-stock deal valued at about $14.7 billion. Zoom Video Communications Incorporated founder and CEO Eric Yuan says in a blog post that the acquisition will allow the company to accelerate its long-term growth by adding the $24 billion contact center market. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Headed to the sights and sounds of Rose, Nebraska. That's where the Barda Brothers Ranch is located. And today we're joined on the phone by IANR Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Bame. Mike, there's a lot going on in that little town of Rose, Nebraska, which is where the Barda Brothers Ranch is located. Tell us a little bit more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, asset to the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and in particular to the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resource. The ranch is, uh, encompasses about 5,200 acres, give or take. It's in north-central Nebraska. serves as a model ranch, which is really phenomenal, um, right here as a working ranch in the sand hills. It's an amazing place to conduct research that's relevant to our Sand Hills ranchers, uh, such as long-term grazing management uh, systems. It's also a key site, to be honest with you, for the newly established Center for Resilience and Agricultural Working Landscapes. That's a mouthful. It's a really neat uh, place where you can understand 
how much you can stress a landscape before it shifts into something different or how hard you push that upland rangeland before it doesn't bounce back, if you will. Well, let's dive a little bit more into that, Mike. Tell me more about how the university is using this ranch. Yeah, so yesterday we had the chance to have the summer meeting of Ag Builders of Nebraska, uh, and we held it up at the ranch, and we heard about some of the long-term grazing management research studies that, of course, were of interest uh, to those who are in ranching business, but to the members of ABN who might be from eastern Nebraska working, you know, more uh, with uh, ag lending or maybe even with uh, farming operations. So it's always fun to see producers, farmers, uh, and ranchers when they get a chance to explore somebody else's system. We heard about some of the research that's been going on, as I mentioned, for the past 20 years. And, for example, annual biomass production is related to precipitation patterns. So when you look backward 20 or 30 years, you can actually take a look at patterns of annual precip and uh, what's going on with the biomass accumulation. You know, the short story is that if we don't get much precip during the late spring, so before June 15th, there's a pretty big negative impact on biomass production in the sand hills, at least as part of the sand hills. Dry weather after June 15th has a lesser impact. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense um, when you think about what's going on in the spring in the sand hills. We had uh, faculty colleagues speak about how vegetation can be manipulated to increase diversity of forbs or wildflowers. So that was pretty cool. You know, lastly, faculty spoke about um, some pretty cool research from a few decades ago that looked at the ecological history of the sand hills for the past 2,000 years. I mean, very broad. Um, this research found that the sand hills lost its grassland cover about 900 years ago when there was a, a prolonged period of drought um, and and uh, warm weather. So. Yeah, it was quite a fantastic day out there in uh, Rock and Brown County uh, at the Barter Brothers Ranch. All right, all of that happening up in north central Nebraska. Again, we've been joined by Mike Bain. He is the IANR Vice President and Vice Chancellor. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in here on the closing grain trade. To do so, we'll talk with with grain marketing expert and uh, senior trader for Daniel Zag Marketing, or marketing analysis, rather, and Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, John Payne. John, as we come in here, still some heavy selling pressure at the close for the soybean complex, but wheat and corn make it out with limited gains overall on the day. Are grains the one asset right now trying to buck this risk-off trend the rest of the market's feeling? Yeah, that's, that was the kind of theme early in the morning. Uh, everything is red from you know the markets are in, in equities, currencies were weak uh, versus the USD, and then um, you know look up to see grain markets trading new highs. Uh, in the case of wheat, um, cases of soybeans as well. Gave it back a little bit this morning, and the first model runs came out, put more rain up into Minnesota. But you know we're trading these forecasts like they're certain, and tomorrow there'll be a whole other ball game to trade. So no real technical damage as the market came back down. I expect you'll get conditions that are at least supportive for the wheat, wheat sector here. Corn and beans, it's a little bit of a different story. I think you, you know, you got a market debate and yield of, 
you know, 172 to 180, and, and, and it's going to get bored doing that in the near term. I think one thing that I'm a little concerned about on the corn side is, uh, is one, that the spreads, that the spreads just really haven't been bullish at all. We've seen the, the September fall from, you know, 12 over last week, now four over. Uh, the December futures and the December futures are now eight under March. So there's a little, there's a decent little storage, you know, pickup here uh, that will develop. It'll be interesting how that trades into the uh, the harvest, especially when transportation costs are higher. We look at the soybean parts complex. Soybean oil really taking the biggest brunt of the selling today. Does this indicative of the fact we're seeing some countries, large veggie oil consumers, really being impacted by these newest rounds of lockdowns due to the Delta variant on COVID? And is that really concerning for the entire chain then? Well, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, consumption is an issue here. But I think the rationing being done through price regardless, I, I, I don't know how the the, the playout's going to happen in over, these overseas countries, I think, in reality, the issues, everybody kind of closes their eyes for a couple of weeks, hope the worst doesn't hit them, and, you know, pick up the pieces. That's what's happened in India and uh, happened in Malaysia, and now you've got Indonesia having it happen to them as well, too. So I think there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. You look at the Olympics not going on, not going as planned. Uh, that, that, you know, points to the concern that the rest of the world is just not getting off the ground yet, whereas the U.S. is flying high, and I guess you believe the data China is as well. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. You can learn more, danielzagmarketing.com. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. If you want to catch the podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors, you can find it wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.